Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. As we have said, we are in, currently in a series on money. What is God's perspective? And last week, uh, we heard Cameron talk about wealth and godliness, this idea that, that God gives us the ability to, to make wealth and to steward it well. Um, that's really good. Um, and then next week, you'll hear Cameron again talking about the poverty spirit. And then Jill is going to be speaking the following week on, um, on how to be rich. And uh, we got a little preview of that. She preached that in Vandalia last week where we were. And it was amazing. It's, I'm just really excited about what... Um, is going to happen through this series. I think that God is, is doing a work in us as, as a church. But this week, this week, what I am going to talk about is greed. Yay, greed. Everybody loves greed. So, um, and so I have, I've spent uh, an incredible amount of time kind of getting ready for this. There's just a uh, it's just, a, it's just a lot. Uh, the Bible covers a lot talking about greed and what the Bible says about finance and stuff. There's just so much material. And I've been reading books. And I, I had, at one point, I had like 11 pages of notes, right? And, and I'm still kind of in the learning process. I'm still kind of getting started and preaching and, and, and teaching in front of the church. And, and so I brought this to Cameron. And I was like, Cameron, I'm kind of having a hard time putting this all together. And, and he told me in his very Cameron loving way. He said, you've written a, uh, what did he write? You've written a, a great thesis paper. Now throw that away and write a sermon. And I'm like, okay, okay, thank you. And, and it actually was, it was really encouraging, right? It was like, oh, okay, That's, it's different, right? It's different. Um, and so I just kind of dug in. I was like, all right, God, what is it that you want to share, right? And I don't, I can't cover the whole gamut of, of everything that the Bible teaches about greed and every aspect of how greed affects our lives. But I just believe that God has something for us this morning. That uh, as Christ followers, we believe that God speaks to us, that God is leading us and he is guiding us. We believe that as we read his word and as we worship him, we become more and more like him. We become transformed into his image. And if he is warning us and he is guarding us and he's warning us uh, against greed, that as we become more and more like him, as we become transformed into his image, we are going to find that greed is going to leave our lives. And so I just encourage you this morning, if you are a Christ follower, that you would just be open to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. And maybe you feel like, well, I don't have a problem with that. And that's great. That's awesome. But I just encourage you just to be open to listen. You know, Holy Spirit, what do you have this morning from this sermon? What do you have this morning that you want to share with me? How can you transform me to become more like you? And really, what I, the, the main kind of thrust uh, of this sermon, so if you are about to check out, if it's your turn on Trivia Crack, um, I just, this is, this is the, the main point, okay? The idea is, that it is, that it is, <laughs> so it's a joke, that's a joke, no shame. Uh, there, uh, that God's intention for each one of us is that we have full and abundant lives. 
John 10.10 says that, uh, or Jesus says, that I, uh, the, the, the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, or fullness of life. God's desire for each one of us is that we have fullness of life. And part of having an abundant, full life is enjoying this creation that he's given us. Part of having a full life is enjoying the blessings that God has poured into our lives. Austin is talking to me. There, oh, this is working? Oh, hello. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, look at that. All right. Where are we at? Where are we at? All right, you got a sneak peek. Settle down. Okay, um, so part of, part of enjoying lives, right, is uh, to, to, that we to have fullness of life. We enjoy our physical world. That's where we're at. Uh, and so having things is good. It's good to have things. God... Um, if we go back to Genesis 1 and 2, right, we see that God created a physical world for us to enjoy, right? He created a world full of, of adventures and excitement for us to enjoy. And just because the fall happened doesn't mean that creation itself is bad. It doesn't mean that possessing things and enjoying our physical creation is bad. It just means that, you know, that sin has entered in. It has distorted and it has messed up what God meant for complete goodness, right? And so just like we talked about sex last week, or last month, we talked about it last month, right? That sex is good. Sex is sacred and it is holy and it is wonderful. But one of the effects of the fall is that uh, sex got distorted. It got removed from the context that it was supposed to be in. And, and, you know, and it just got messed up. And sin outside of God's plan just leads to death and destruction, and in the same way, right, this idea of being able to enjoy our physical world isn't bad. It is good. It is good. God wants us to enjoy our world, right? But when, when uh, greed comes in and twists that, when we give all that we have and we uh, allow creation or we allow possessions or we allow finances to usurp God's position as the, the one from whom we get our peace, the one from whom we get our hope, the one from whom we get our life, then that perversion of the physical world is messed up. And so we want to, does that make sense, friends? That we want to embrace what is good and we want to get rid of the sin. So we can enjoy life. We can enjoy the world. All right? And so we're going to look at three things today, quickly. Um, we're going to look at, you know, what does God want from me? If he is warning me against greed, if he wants to protect me against greed, what is it that he wants from me? We're also going to look at how greed destroys our relationships with other people and how greed destroys our relationships with God. And then we're finally going to look at how to overcome greed in our lives. Look at that. Amazing. And so we are inundated, right, with advertisements and with, with marketing. Everywhere we go, you know, billboards and TV commercials and, and magazine ads. We are encouraged to consume, right, to consume and get more stuff and get the newest and the best thing, right? We are, uh, you know, some people are, are really excited about the, winning the lottery, right? If I could win the lottery, then I would be at peace, 
Then I would, you know, I would finally be happy. Then I could finally kind of relax and enjoy my life. Or, you know, if I got a bigger or better home, you know, then I would really be happy. And Amber and I used to go on the, the Kalamazoo Parade of Homes. You guys remember the, you guys have been to the Parade of Homes? And it's really fun. I like interior design. I like architecture. I think it's fun. And so we would go to these things and like, oh, it's, oh look, at the, look at these houses. But all these houses, they're like five or 6,000 square feet, right? And they're beautiful and they're glorious. And I would leave just feeling like, oh, man, I just need, I don't have that. I've missed something. I'm lacking. I don't have, you know, what it takes. And it would just speak all these lies to me. And so it was really bad because all, oh, it just, uh, created this desire in me, like, I need to have the bigger house, and I need this, because then I'll be happy. If I had, uh, if I lived on this lake, and I had that pontoon boat, I would never be sad again. And Lord, I would worship you day in and day out <laughs> from the back of my pontoon boat, right? And so greed just grabs us, right? And then, you know, uh, and I like to shop. I like getting new clothes, right? I really like khaki pants. I don't know why. I really like khaki pants, and I really like quarter zip, uh, quarter zip sweaters. I just can never, I can never have enough of those. I just love them, and, and I, I, got, I actually got a, too many stories. I got a new sweater uh, for Christmas. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful sweater, and, and I wore it all day Christmas, and then it was the next day, the day after Christmas, right? And I'm just like, man, I, I just need another sweater. I've got this new one, and I've got those old ones. I just want a new one. I just love having a new sweater, and I like, I just like people are going to be like, look at that guy in that sweater. <laughs> you know, I, I have no idea, but I just think about sweaters, and I look at advertisements and think, if I had that sweater, oh, if I looked like that guy in the magazine, then I would be happy, right? That's so dumb. That's dumb. Um, uh, and uh, then I pulled this Old Navy thing. I had to, I had to cover up the rest of the Old Navy thing, because we just got done talking about sex, and so I had to protect us with, with all those other things. <laughs> all right, and so, but it says there in the corner, it says, new denim, new you, right? And what's that trying to say? It's like, oh, you're feeling kind of down. You're feeling kind of depressed. Why don't you buy a new pair of jeans? You know, and suddenly life is better, you know? And it's just, we're inundated all of the time about consuming more and getting more. And we start to believe that if we had that, if we looked like that, if we lived in that house, we would be happy, Right? That we would be satisfied. But it never happens. And for me, when I, when I share with you guys, I don't, like to, I don't want you guys to feel like you know, I'm kind of in my ivory tower um, talking to you guys and preaching to you guys. And you guys better get your, your lives of, of greed um, fixed up. And so I just wanted to kind of share part of my story. And so... I love board games. I love, I love board games. And I only had enough time to grab some of my board games this morning to, to, to bring them. And, and it's just fun for me, right? And I have more board games than I could. I wonder if I played every board game I had straight. You know, it would probably take a couple weeks to get through all of them. Amber doesn't like a game that takes 45 minutes to set up and two and a half hours to play. But we're praying for her, and we'll see. We'll see where that, where that leads. So... So I've got a lot of games, right? But I love to go to fanfare, and I look at the different games, right? I like to see, oh, what's the newest game uh, that, that Fantasy Flight has come out with, right? Or what's, oh, there's a new expansion for Pandemic. Oh, I should look into that. And I always want more. And a lot of times, friends, I'll buy these games, and I'll put it on my shelf, 
<laughs> and then never play it. That's weird. That's kind of, and yet, I go to BoardGameGeek.com. Anybody familiar with BoardGameGeek? Right? There's th- tens of thousands of board games on there, and they're all rated. And you can, you can read reviews, and, and you look at the games, and you think, oh, I need that game. Oh, I, actually, I don't have a lot of great two-player games, so I can get this one. And I'm just consumed, right, with, with getting more games. I, so there's this, uh, I can be kind of greedy, oh, there it is, when it comes to board games. But the, what I really wanted to show you this morning, surprise, is, oh, where is it? Hey, where is it? Rut row. Oh, there, oh, it fell down. Hold on. Hold on. Here's one. Is, this is my new game. This is the new, this is the new hotness, friends. Star Wars, uh, Fantasy Flight makes Star Wars X-Wing, all right? And it's a glorious, glorious tabletop strategy game. And it, just to, to, you get these spaceships. And these are not just spaceships. These are incredibly high-detailed, pre-painted, 1 to 144-inch scale miniatures of ships from the Star Wars galaxy. Okay? And here we have a TIE Interceptor. Glorious. Here we have an E-Wing. Got some X-Wings over here. I don't have time to get them all out, but I would love to share them with you. Um, not, not actually. I'll show them to you. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> so this is a YT-1300 light freighter. All right, better, you might uh, know it as the Millennium Falcon. But there's lots of them out there. So the Millennium Falcon is, an, is a phenomenal spaceship, right? And in the game, you, can, you have these points. You build squads. You build a rebel squad or you build an imperial squad and you battle each other, right? And the whole... A lot of the fun is kind of putting these ships together and their different abilities and the different pilot skills, and you can add R2 units, and there's a lot going on in this game, right? And so, but the, the big thing is that you buy the starter set, and it's got two TIE fighters and an X-Wing, all right? I'm using a lot of time telling this story. I apologize. But, um, so you get two TIE fighters and X-Wing, and you play it, and you're like, that's a pretty fun game. And, uh, it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem earth-shattering. You know, it's pretty fun. Um, but I love these miniatures, and so I'll just get another one, I'll get another one. And suddenly, I, so I'm building these, I have more ships, and I'm building these squads, and I'm convincing Josh to, to play with me. He'll usually play with me if I give him a Milky Way, um, and I'm okay with that. And I, I feel like I, I'm building a love in him for the game. <laughs> it might just be love for candy. I don't know. And I almost don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, just kidding. I love you, buddy. Um, anyway, we're building. We're, you're, you build squads and you buy spaceships. All right. And uh, and so the the point being, Mark, where are you going with this? The point being that you are never satisfied with the ships that you have. All right. I, I asked for Star Wars uh, X-wing for for Christmas, and my mom was like, which what, what ships do you want? And I said, it doesn't matter. I want them all. I need all of them. She's like, don't you already have that one? It doesn't matter. I need more of that one. Like, there's, it's this unending need for more ships. Because you, I'll go to the store and I'll, I'll buy an E-Wing, okay? 
And I'm not going to tell you how much each ship costs. You can Google that. But you can, you can go. So I go to the store, and I buy an E-Wing. And the, the E-Wing is sitting gloriously on my passenger seat, and I'm driving home. It takes me like four minutes to get from fanfare to my home. That's probably a dangerous place to live, but it's fine. All right, and so I'm driving home four minutes from, from fanfare to my house. And somewhere within that time, I'm like, ah, oh, I transfer from, I can't wait for this, this E-Wing. I'm going to pair it with, with uh, you know, Biggs Dark Lighter, and I'm going to put this Astromech on it, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to destroy Josh. It is going to be wonderful. And then somewhere in there, I suddenly go, wait a second. If I had two E-Wings, then I would be able to do this, right? And so my mind, just, I'm just consumed, and I get home, and I'm unhappy with the money that I just spent because I only have one E-Wing, and I really need another one, all right? You get, are you following my point? The point is that Star Wars miniatures never says enough. It always wants more. And I, will, I need to stop telling this story. But the idea <laughs> that, that Star Wars, there's always more. And I always think, I just want one more. I always want one more. In that, we all have something like that in our lives. Or we all have the potential to have something like that in our lives. And maybe for you, it's clothes. Or maybe for you, it's tools. Or maybe for you, it's just having a big savings account. Right? We all have something in our lives that we put this kind of, oh, that's kind of where our, our peace is. And that's where we find our pleasure. And that's where we find contentment. That's where we kind of deal with some of the stuff in our lives that we, maybe we feel uncomforted. We, don't, we feel unloved. We have something lacking in our lives. And so we go to Millennium Falcons or screwdrivers or new shoes to fill that need. And that is never, ever going to satisfy. So if that is the case, if that is the case, what is it that God wants from me? And I believe that God wants for me and for each one of us to live lives of freedom. You know, uh, when, when Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full, we cannot have that abundant life if we are living in bondage to any sort of sin or any sort of darkness. And since we're talking about finances today or this month, we're going to stick with that theme, right? But really, this, you know, this idea of being a slave or being in bondage covers many, many things in our lives. But Solomon said, the borrower is slave to the lender. And that is so true. We all know this to be true. I had a, I had a friend. Good, good news, another story. Um, uh, I had a friend. His name was Mark Morey. And I love this guy. You may remember him from other stories, like how he was a better trumpet player than me. But Mark Morey, I loved him. And... And uh, when we were 16 or 17, we, uh, he, he uh, got a credit card from Sears. Is that the craziest thing? I can't even imagine that. Apparently, Sears hates people, so it gives 16-year-olds credit cards. And it, and his, it was, I'm pretty sure they'll never listen to this, relatively dysfunctional family. His parents, one of the glorious things they do is they co-sign for this credit card, because that's Good, probably, to have credit cards when you're 16 years old. And so we get this credit card. I'm super excited. 
He's super excited. We go to Sears, and Sears is a wonderland of glory. Am I right? Who doesn't love Sears? And we're, wa- <laughs> we're walking around Sears. We're looking around, and we enter the, the audio-video department, right? And there, sitting on a shelf, lights shining on it, all the angels are singing, is this glorious five-disc changer stereo, right? And it was a sweet stereo. It's one of those kind, you know, back in the day... Now Bose makes little speakers that sound good. But back in the day, you needed big speakers. And these speakers were about shoulder height. They were amazing. This was an awesome stereo. And we maxed out the credit card. Not only did he max out the credit card, he convinced them. He said, I am just a little bit short. Will you bump up my credit a little bit so I can get this stereo? And Sears is like, absolutely, young man. That's great. And so we, so we get this stereo, and we get it home, and this thing is awesome, right? It is a Amazing, and we spent hours and hours and hours listening to CDs, and you know, and we loved putting five CDs in there. This was a big deal back in the day, right? You'd put five CDs in there and push random. You had no idea what was coming up. <laughs> it was it was a mystery, and you would sit there for hours, and you'd be like, "What is it? What's next? What? Oh, it's ACDC! Oh, it's Back in Black! This is great! Oh, the glory days!" You know, and it was so fun, and it was so exciting. And it seemed like we are living in glorious freedom because we can listen to this music, and it is so awesome. But every month, Sears would send him a bill, right? with interest, saying, we want some of our money back. And so we had this glorious stereo, but it forced Mark to, to work. And he held a job pretty well, as well as a 16-year-old can hold a job. You know, and he worked at McDonald's. He did good. And, but he missed out on some stuff. You know, he missed out on some, some parties. Maybe some of those were good for him to miss out, but that's not the point. He probably missed out on righteous parties as well. And, and he, he missed out on that. And then there, is, there comes a time where he can't pay his bill. And he can't pay his bill for a couple of months. And so then Sears contacts his parents, right? And now there's contention in his relationship with his parents. And suddenly this stereo that seemed so much like freedom and glory and awesomeness became a bondage to him. And he was a slave to this credit card payment and he was having difficulty with his parents because he just wanted this thing and he wanted it right now. The borrower is slave to the lender. And then Jesus says, you can't serve both God and money. God wants us to be in freedom and he's telling us that you can't serve, uh, if you want to serve God, you cannot also serve money, right? It just makes sense. And Yet we see over and over again, we try to do both, right? We try to, we give Jesus lip service. We say, we love you, Jesus. We, we care about you. You know, we, we want to follow you, uh, but not when it comes to my budget. I want to really understand how this is going to work out. And this 10% off the top makes zero sense. So it's not going to happen, right? But we love you, Jesus, just not with our money. Because our money makes me feel safe. And my money makes me feel like everything is going to be okay. That doesn't work. God wants us to be free, and that is not freedom. He also wants us to have life. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, food and drink and clothes, are going to be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right? Jesus isn't saying, don't eat food and don't drink and don't wear clothes, right? He's saying, don't make that your first priority. 
He's saying, seek God first. And, and I don't even think he's saying, quit going to work and just pray. Right? Just seek me. Just sell everything you have and go and live in a desert. Become a monk. And then you will be really pleasing me. Because then you'll actually be seeking first the kingdom. And all you people that have jobs and spend a majority of your time working and taking care of your kids, eh, you're kind of missing it out. Seek first the kingdom. Right? And that's just not true. Jesus is saying that you can seek him and you can put him in first place in the midst of our actual real lives. He's not saying, forget about work, forget about buying clothes, forget about having nice things. He's saying, don't put those in a position that is higher than me. Don't allow your possessions to possess you. He's saying, seek me first and just care about me, and I am going to take care of this other stuff in your lives. Does that make sense? All right. I don't have time to dwell on that, friends. So, let's, so, if God wants us to have freedom, God wants us to have life, you know, how does greed steal that away? How does greed um, rob us of this full, abundant life that God wants for us? And I believe that the reality is that greed destroys relationships with people, and it destroys relationships with God. Selah. All right. So I read this book. I, re- I would recommend this book. If you want a very intellectual look at greed and the other seven deadly sins, this is a very interesting book. And I got a lot of information from this book called Glittering Vices um, that Cameron told me to throw out mostly. But there's a couple tidbits in there that were really good. Not because the book was bad. It's just, anyway, you understand. All right. So one of the quotes from uh, Rebecca... DeYoung, she says this, The trouble with prideful possession is that when greed takes over, we find that we don't know what enough means anymore. Right? And so, like, when I am more concerned with getting this spaceship, or, you know, I get this spaceship and I always want another one. I want the E-Wing. I want a Z-95. I want an X-Wing. I want a TIE Fighter. And on and on and on it goes. Greed, and if you, it never says enough. And you might... Just ask God, is there something in my life? Maybe I don't see it. Maybe, and that's great. Maybe you don't struggle with this. But maybe God's highlighting something. Maybe God's saying, hey, you know what? You know, you are getting a little bit possessive about this thing. You are getting a little too much meaning or a little too much satisfaction from this thing. Not that that thing is necessarily bad, but it's crept up and taken God's place in your life as where you are trying to receive life and where you're trying to receive your comfort from. All right. Um, anyway, that's not in the notes. Skip that. Do, do, do. And Jill talks about that in a couple of weeks, so I'll skip that. Greed and people. So how does greed destroy relationships with people? Well, for a change of pace, I'm going to talk about X-Wings. All right. Um, so... Say, I'm going to, I'm going to, there's a hypothetical situation, all right? Say there's a family in, in the church um, that's going through something, you know, their, their furnace breaks and they need to replace it, or uh, they lose a job, or, you know, or they got medical bills rack up, you know, who knows what it is, all right? Um, but there's this family uh, that has a need and they're taking an offering at, at church, right? And so you're, 
driving, you're driving down the road, right? The hypothetical person is like, oh, I, I, you know, we've got a little bit extra. I'd like to kind of sow into this and just bless that, bless that family and just, you know, I just want God to take care of them. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right, in this world. And so I'm going to give of myself. And I think I'm going to give $25. Okay, great. And so you're driving down the road. And you're like, all right, $25. Hey, you know what else I could do with $25? Hmm, that's interesting. You know, I could buy an E-wing. An e hmm, that's interesting. Oh, and if I had that E-wing, oh, then I could do this. And so you start thinking about it. And it's almost like I've already, per this person has already purchased this E-wing, right? And, and then you go, and then so it's like, ah, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with me having to toys. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with boys having toys. That's a normal thing. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. God wants me to enjoy life. You know, he's given me this provision to, you know, and part of that is I can buy things that I want, and it's fine. And really, you know, there's a lot of people at church that are doing quite a bit better than me. Pastors don't make that much money. You know what? They'll probably kick in enough. You know what? Actually, they should kick in more. You know, they're doing so well. They've got everything they need. They don't need anything else. And why aren't they giving more? Huh. Uh, I, I'm not going to give mine. They should be giving ours. I'm going to go buy this spaceship. And all of a sudden, right, I have robbed my chance of being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world by blessing somebody with finances, with blessing somebody with some of my money, right? And I have allowed greed, my desire to meet my own selfish needs, my own selfish desires, to to stop me from blessing somebody else. And it has broken off a part of the relationship that I could have with this family by saying, I love you and I care about you and I love you and care about you more than I care about meeting my own selfish needs. Right? And, and there's a whole thing. We can't say, oh, should you give all your money, all your extra money away? It's between you and God, right? I don't think so. But we need to be con considering how is our greed affecting our relationships with people. I believe... That greed kills compassion. I believe that greed and being so self-focused refuses to allow us to care about other people's needs. And maybe we're not actually going out and stealing food from poor people, right? That seems pretty bad. But I think spiritually there is a similar thing happening in our lives. James says that if you run into somebody and they say, oh, I'm hungry and I'm cold, and you say, um, you know, be... Be filled and be warm and filled. He says something great like that. So he says, well, bless you. And then you go on and you don't do anything. He says, where's your faith? It's missing. And I would say that not being generous, this is going to be dangerous. I would say that not being generous, not uh, of being greedy, right, that you are sinning in that position. That if there's somebody in need and you have it within your power to bless them and to help them, it is sin if you don't do it. That might be a little strong, but you can ponder that. Oh my goodness, time. All right, so in the Old Testament, I think that God encourages his people to do this. This is a brilliant drawing that I've created all right. And so in the Old Testament, God told um, farmers, people, and said, you can harvest all of your field, but leave the edge unharvested, right? And so that the poor can come and they can harvest it. And so they have something to eat. Okay. And so 
certainly the Israelite farmers would think, that's not fair. I planted that. I watered that. I took care of it. That belongs to me. Right? Certainly they would have thought that. Right? But God, you know, in his word, in his law, says, you have to leave that alone. And maybe, you know, Mr. Israelite farmer said, well, Jedekiah's got a much larger field, and he can certainly afford to leave a little bit extra of his edges unharvested for the poor. Look at my family. I got to feed all these mouths, right? I got all this stuff to do, and I actually owe some people some money. I can't afford to leave this unharvested, right? But God doesn't say, well, once you get excised fields, then, then you have to start giving. No, he said, you need to give with, from whatever you've got. When you harvest, no matter how big your field is, no matter what your personal need is, you have to leave the edge unharvested so that the poor people have something to eat. Man, that would be difficult, because we all have needs. We all have desires. And it's so easy for us to go, oh, that guy and that guy and that guy, they can do it. They can give God. They can give some extra. But I can't afford it. I have too many needs. All right? It's so hard for us sometimes to see greed in the mirror. And I am, I have a lot of papers left. Oh, goodness. Here it is. So, what is important? This is good. <laughs> um, so, how does greed destroy relationships with God? Right? And this, again, is from Glittering Vices by DeYoung. And she said that prideful greed is the desire to take over God's role and make sure that we get enough for ourselves. Or better yet, to make sure we get what we want. It is the desire to be able to provide fully for ourselves and therefore not to have to depend on God. And that is the heart of greed. That is the heart of pride, right? That says that I can take care of myself. I can meet my own needs. It says I want to harvest the whole field and those other people can take care of themselves. It's saying, God, don't worry about me. I've got this. You just, you can help other people. I've got this. Because it is scary to trust God. It is scary to say, I'm going to give this 10% off the top, and I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills. And yet, it says, God, I trust in you more than I trust in money. I trust in you more than I trust in things to make me happy and content. Skip, skip all this. Thomas Aquinas, good. Continue. Frederick Buchner, that's really good. <laughs> so, come to second service. Who knows what will happen. Um, so, how do we overcome greed? Good question. First, I think we need to take an honest look at ourselves. Right? Are we content with what we have? Are we content with where we're at? You know, do we have contentment in our lives? But, or are we constantly kind of consumed with this idea of like, I need more. I'm not happy. Or oh, look at the person, you know, that lives in that neighborhood. Or oh my goodness, my neighbor just got that car. You know, do we have contentment in our lives? Contentment opposes greed. 
Are we generous? Is there generosity in our lives? Are we willing to sacrifice some of our own wants, some of our own needs even, some of our own desires in order to give to somebody else? Are we generous? And this is a, a quote from a commentary on the book of Luke. Commentaries are another thing I like to collect. Anyway, the Pharisees loved to think of themselves as clean, but their stinginess toward God and the poor proved that they were not as clean as they thought. How do you use the resources God has entrusted to you? Are you generous in meeting the needs around you? Your generosity reveals much about the purity of your heart. And so in, to overcome greed, we need to ask ourselves, we need to look at our hearts. Because it's going to look different for all of us. We can't say, oh, that person has a big house, they're greedy. Right? Or that person doesn't have much, they're not greedy. The poorest person can be incredibly greedy because they're so consumed with this idea of getting possessions because they need that comfort. Right? And then, you know, rich people can be so generous and so loving and have the heart of God. So we can't judge it by what the exterior looks at. We have to look at our own hearts. Are we content? Are we living in generosity? And then just simply we can know our own weaknesses. We can p keep track of what we spend our money on. You know, the Bible says where something about <laughs> where you're... Money is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is that true? That's true. All right? And so we look, where is, where is our money going? And it's just wise to pay attention to where our money's going. Yeah, seminary. You're welcome. Um, uh, and maybe take a Sabbath rest from consumerism. This is a really interesting idea, right? To, uh, to try to avoid advertisements. Try to avoid the mall or catalogs or TV. Right? This is so hard. Imagine in your life, we, everywhere we go, is consume this, consume this, advertisements everywhere, all right? And yet, how can we get away from that? When I was in Morocco, I don't have time for that story, there weren't any advertisements. That's the short version. <laughs> all right, moving along. Oh, tithing. <laughs> all right, last thing. Tithing, like fasting, is the habitual practice of limiting our use of a good thing to regularly and continually loosen our attachment to it. An attachment that builds and tightens before we are even aware of it. Honestly, friends, when I was preparing this message, and I was kind of excited about it. I'm like, oh, agreed. That's a real thing that we need to deal with. And God revealed this, that it had its claws in me. I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize how it was affecting me and how it was affecting my relationships. It's... I was shocked. But tithing, it forces us to say, I'm not overly concerned with my finances. I'm not putting my trust in finances. I'm trusting you first, God. And so if you continually tithe, then it will help you to break the effects of greed in your life. Awesome. Let's pray. So, Father God, we thank you for what you're doing right now. God, and I just pray that in each heart, God, we, uh, that you would just speak to us. Lord God, is there an area of, of greed that has, has snuck into our lives, God, that is, uh, that is damaging relationships with people or damaging relationships with you? Would you reveal it and help me to give it to you? God, you are so good. In your name we pray.